This is a Woodside Church podcast. If you don't know me, and I'm married to Toby, we've got three little children, very little. One's um, not about to turn one, Olive, she's a little girl. We've got Asa, who's two, and we've got Cohen, who's about to turn five. Olive and Cohen have got the same birthday, so that's going to be fun this year for the first time. Um, I'm going to be talking to you this morning, yeah, about um, God being our first port of call when we're in times of need and times of difficulty. Um, I don't know if you like going on journeys. We used to love a car journey. We used to love a bit of time to connect, a bit of time to chat. Now we've got three small children. Car journeys are a little bit less fun, or just fun in a different way, a different sort of fun. But they're not quite the sort of quality time that we used to get. Um, They're more like a race to the finish, basically. (laughs) And if you get a little golden five minutes when everyone's asleep, that's a a bonus. Um, We're going to be looking this morning at a psalm, and it's a Psalm 121, which you probably know, many of you will have heard. And it's it's a psalm for people on a journey. It was actually written for pilgrims originally. Um, And we're going to go on a bit of a journey together this morning as well. Um, It's not a sort of light topic that we're talking about this morning. Um, there's going to be some ups and downs and I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my story and the journey that we've been on with this topic over the last few years as well Um, and I know lots of you are on your own journeys and I realise I've now said the word journey a lot of times and I'm going to try not to say journey again but um, life is a journey isn't it (laughs) and so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning so just to set the scene for this psalm um, the pilgrims who would have been singing this song they would have left their homes They'd have been going um, to Jerusalem and they'd have been travelling through some difficult um, places. They'd have been travelling through some hostile territories, places they didn't know, unfamiliar places. And so this was a sort of song of encouragement for them. Um, And they would particularly have sung this song for the last watch of the night before they were about to go to sleep. So if you imagine, try to imagine that you're going on this journey, you, you don't really know the route, you don't know what you're going to go through, you're exhausted because you've been walking and walking, so you know you need some sleep and you've got a, lo- you know, a few more days of walking to go, um, but at the same time you're at the bottom of a mountain, that's where this psalm is set, and at the top of the mountain you don't know what's there, there could be enemies watching you, ready to attack when you go to sleep. There could be wild animals around, ready to attack you. You don't really know. Um, So it's not really a time that you feel like you want to go to sleep. Um, You want to be awake, but you need to. And so this is sort of a a song that they'd sing to encourage one another and to reset their perspective so that they could have a a rest to go to sleep. This um, This is what it says. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. And in some other translations it says guardian or protector. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will keep... Watch over your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So we're just going to look at this um, to start with. Um, 
the first line says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And there's some different interpretations of this from different um, Bible scholars. Some um, see this first line to mean that the writer was looking at the mountains as a source of threat. I'm lifting my eyes up to this mountain. Where does my help come from? And for them, like I said, the threat might have been um, literally an enemy. It might have been a, um, animals. And um, they talk often in Psalms about the, about the threat of swords and weapons. For us, it's probably likely to be different things. It could be um, addiction. It could be cancer or some other life-threatening illness or debilitating illness. It could be um, bereavement or loss. It could be um, financial crisis or uh, being trapped in sin. It could be relationship breakdown. It's all sorts of things. Sometimes the threats that we see are smaller but still very oppressive to us, like difficult relationships or um, situations at work, anxiety, loneliness, just exhaustion. Um, I think we all know there's plenty of mountains around. Some are big, some are small, but we're all facing some or will face some at some point. Um, Other scholars believe that this writer, when they said, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, was looking to the mountain as a source of help. Um, And so, again, that's that's helpful as well. We're also prone to doing that. When we need help, we look to different things. And very often, we like things in our culture, don't we, that are very immediate, that are very tangible, something we like a quick fix. We're used to um, Amazon same-day delivery. That amazes me. Same-day delivery. I don't really like to do that because I feel like somebody is being put out by that, you know? That is going to be stressful for whoever has to do that, so I don't do same-day delivery. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we're used to it, and we sort of become entitled to it. We think, oh, I need help right now. Where's my help? What's going to help me now? And if we can't change a situation, which often we can't, we look for things that will just help us cope or, uh, or escape from it. Um, you know, it could be, it's just simple things like, um, I know for me, if I, if I need so, something to escape, it'll be um, just good comfort food, okay? wine, watching a programme that just makes me switch off. No, those things are not necessarily bad. For others, it could be... Um, gaming, social media, it might be kind of mindfulness, yoga, those sorts of things, or um, looking to change your image, diet, exercise. Again, they're not bad things. Sometimes it's money that we look to. Often you think, oh, if we just could have a bit more money, if I could just have a bit more, that would help that situation. Um, we look to our family and friends for help. We look to, um, to maybe other sources of wisdom that we see. Um, self-help, inspirational quotes, those sorts of things. Lo- most of these things are not bad, but I think we know that they're limited. They have their limits. They don't ultimately help. Um, and this series is about God first, so we're looking at looking to God first so I just as an initial sort of challenge to you what is your knee-jerk reaction when you need help is it to escape with something is it to look for comfort somewhere Um, is it to go straight to God I've got friends who don't really believe in God but they have come to me before when they're in a time of real crisis and said will you just pray for me just in case and it's a sort of, you know, last resort. Well, I'll cover all my bases just in case. I'll do all these things. And then also, I'll just ask God if he's even there, if he can help me. And I think for us as Christians, we don't have to wait for that. We don't have to try everything and then try God. We can go straight to him. Uh, we don't have to wait till... Or we don't have to just cope through. We've got someone much more powerful and much stronger who can help us, which is where we go to the next line. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
So the singer of this song starts to then look beyond the mountains. He looks at the mountain, and then he looks beyond to the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of that mountain. This is about perspective. You look at the mountains, you're at the bottom of a mountain, you're going to feel vulnerable. It's not a good place to be. Where you want to be is on top of a mountain. It's, I don't know if any of you um, have seen The Lion King. It's my favourite Disney movie. Um, and there's a bit in The Lion King where Simba is, is running away from... He's the little lion. He's running... I'm assuming everyone's seen it. <laughs> running away from the hyenas. And, and he's scared. They look scary. They're, they're, like, they're not nice. You know? they're, they've got horrible eyes and they're, and they're just chasing him. And, and they look terrifying until Mufasa, who's the big daddy lion, comes along and he roars. And all of a sudden, the hyenas don't look very scary. They're suddenly back down. They look weak all of a sudden because someone much stronger has come along. And it's that sort of thing, that sort of um, idea here where the mountains look difficult. They look scary until you see the one who created the one. He's called the mover of mountains. Mountains aren't very easy to move, by the way. <laughs> you know, he spoke and the world was created. In National Geographic last year, that it said this, um, which just made me laugh a bit. It's impossible to know how many stars exist, but astronomers estimate that in our Milky Way galaxy alone, there are two billion. And estimates of the whole universe are 100 billion trillion. I mean, I don't even know what that means at all, 100 billion trillion. But it said here, it's impossible to know how many stars there are. Do you know who it's not impossible for? God. He created the stars, and it says in the Bible he knows every one of those stars, and he knows them by name. A hundred billion trillion, if that even is the number. We don't know. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves just how powerful and enormous he is. It makes sense, doesn't it, to look to the creator. He's able, he's powerful, and he's infinitely more able to help than anything that has been created. He's able to change things, orchestrate situations. He's able to miraculously provide for us when there's nothing there. And he does do all those things. I bet if I, I guarantee if I asked around this room, we'd have many, many stories of God doing that for us. I'm going to whiz through the rest of it. Um, but he goes on then, the, the writer, to describe here what, um, what sort of a helper God is. He says, he will not let your foot slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, that, doesn't that just show how different he is from us? We cannot survive without sleep, can we? We need to sleep. We can't go very long, really, without needing a sleep. Compared to God, he doesn't need to sleep at all. And when we're asleep, we're very much not in control, are we? Whereas he is totally in control all the time. It says, the Lord is your keeper or guardian, protector. He's also described in the Bible as your rock, your refuge, your shelter. We sung some of those words. Your strong tower. They're all images of protection. He's a safe place. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. This is like an image of your shadow. It's just constantly with you, faithfully by your side. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. That's sort of just to express every time. The the daytime, the nighttime, any time. The sun, the moon... All the time, in any circumstance, he's with you. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will keep watch over your life. And the Bible talks often about God as being the good shepherd. And the shepherds, we don't have a really powerful image in our head of shepherds because we don't, it's not really part of our culture, but shepherds would provide for, they'd protect, and they'd lead their flock. 
The Bible says that he walks us through the valley with that protection and guidance. It's a very active role being a shepherd. It's not just sitting there all day. It's, it's, they're self-sacrificing. They're wholly committed to the care of their sheep. And that's that image um, of our God. The Bible says that God is constantly searching the earth for those who need help. He's always looking. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so that psalm just gives us such a beautiful picture of God as our helper, our protector, our guardian and our shepherd. But does that mean then that looking to God for help means that nothing bad will ever happen to us? Because on first reading, that looks like that might be the case. He's saying, I will protect you from harm. I won't let your foot slip. But we all know that, that's, that, that things do happen to us. We all know that bad things happen all the time. And the Bible's quite clear that we will face trouble. It explains that when God created the world, it was perfect. But that when Adam and Eve um, turned away from God, that sin entered the world, sickness, death entered the world, and hardship and trouble... Jesus talks about it as well. He says, you will have trouble in this world. But at the same time, God says that he will protect his people, that he'll protect us from harm, that no, it says things like, no evil will conquer you. He will rescue you from the trap and protect you from deadly disease. So what is happening here? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Is God lying to us? Is he saying he'll do one thing but not following through on it? Is he just giving us a sort of false hope? Well, I don't believe that's true. I believe absolutely that God can and does physically and supernaturally help people, protect people. We see miracles happening all the time. I also believe that he protects us often from things that we don't even know about. Um, but, But Paul said this, which helps to sort of explain this a bit. The Apostle Paul, he said, We are pressed on every side by troubles, But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So how can that be the case? Well, he goes on to explain, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and that will last forever. So don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I'm going to tell you a bit of my story map now. It might be a little bit emotional for me, but it might be okay. <laughs> this, this sort of scenario, this became very real for us about six years ago. I fell pregnant for the first time. It was very exciting. And um, we went along to our 12-week scan, as usual. Um, but when we went there, we found out that their baby had very significant defects to it. That, and the, what they told us was that the baby wasn't going to survive, no matter what, um, what happened. There was no, nothing that they could do. That the baby would... They didn't know how long the pregnancy would be, but that um, the, the baby could probably survive in the womb for a long time, but wouldn't be able to survive outside the womb. So many of you remember this. You, you walked this with us. Um, obviously we were devastated and we were very shocked. It wasn't what we were expecting to hear. And we felt totally powerless. Um, We were given the option to terminate the pregnancy. That was what the doctors assumed that we'd want to do, but we decided not to do that. We decided to just let it run its natural course or to leave an opportunity for God to intervene and heal the baby. Um, 
it was just a lot to figure out. It was a lot to make sense of. We didn't really know what to pray for in a way. We sort of prayed that initially that God would either heal the baby or, um, or take the baby sooner so that we didn't have to go through this long pregnancy with no chance of, um, of having a child at the end. Um, we, there was a lot of weeping. There was a lot of sorrow, you can imagine. Um, and then we looked at our mountain and then we looked at the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of the mountain. And the more that we did that, the more it put things in perspective for us. We looked at what we could see, like it said in those verses, what we could see that was temporary. And we then looked at what was, what was unseen, the eternal. Um, we had to really draw on everything that we knew of God, everything that we'd learned of God. We knew a lot about God, but we had to really draw on that and dig deep into our faith. You know, did we still believe that he was good, that he loved us, that he had a plan for us? Did we believe that he could heal our baby, but also that he might not, and that if that was the case, that he would be caring for our baby and healing him in heaven, looking after him? It was very complicated and emotional, and it was, it was hard, and many of you were praying for us but I can honestly say with confidence that God gave us a peace about this situation that was beyond understanding and that is a promise that he gives us that if we present our request to him that we come to him he will give us a peace that transcends understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds and that is honestly our testimony it didn't really make sense for us to feel okay about that situation um, that didn't mean that we didn't feel all the, um, all the grief of it, but we felt a real peace that God knew what he was doing, that God had it in his hands, that God was the, that we could let go of this child and give it to God. And we were able to really rejoice in, in him. He was a boy. We named him Jesse. He was born at 32 weeks. It was, it, it was a long pregnancy. He just lived for a few minutes, and it was amazing, and... It, we didn't know if we'd get to meet him alive at all or not, um, but we did just for a few minutes, and we were so proud of him. We had that feeling of becoming parents for the first time, but then we obviously lost him straight, almost straight away, which that was when the real grieving started. And, um, but we can say that we saw God's hand so clearly on this situation. We saw God's hand in the timing of his birth, in all sorts of little details. And we had a Thanksgiving service for him. And, um, and I remember my friend saying that her brother had asked her, like, how can, you be, how can they be thanking God for this? How can they have things to be thankful for? But we literally had a list at the Thanksgiving that we read out of all sorts of things that we were thankful to God for. You know, people often say they felt carried by God through situations, and that was our experience in this. He, all those things we'd heard about him were true. We, he was our rock, he was our refuge, our comforter, our counsellor, our hope, and our, protect, our protector. Um, and I'm not saying that it was easy, but we were knocked down, but we were not destroyed. It says also this in Isaiah. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And that really was our experience. Um, we then went on to skip forward a little bit. We went on and had a healthy baby boy um, <coughs> who's called Cohen. And then we went, decided to have another baby. The story continues, I'm afraid. <laughs> we, we went on to have to get pregnant again and we went to our 12-week scan and again we were told that this baby was not going to survive and 
this was actually more of a shock to us because we'd been told the previous time that that was just a one-off, that that was not going to happen again. Um, and obviously we believe that. And we, um, again, we looked to God. We were told that, again, they didn't know how long this baby would survive in the womb, but it would not survive out the, outside the womb. Um, and this time, it, it was a very different scenario. The baby died in the womb about 16 weeks. And I... Um, Actually, it was a much harder situation physically for me. It went on for quite a long time after I'd given birth. It didn't, wasn't all resolved quickly. It went on for months, and it was very painful. We didn't have any of that joy that we'd had the first time of meeting the baby. Um, and, and to be honest, this time, I didn't feel very loved by God. I didn't feel very protected. I didn't feel that our prayers were being answered um, and some of you will be able to relate to this. You know, I, I nearly just told that first bit of the story, and I, I really felt that actually there's some people that will be feeling, I don't relate to that. I don't, I'm not feeling all those things. And um, so this time I, I just asked God to help me make sense of it. How could I really know that he loved me? How could I really trust him again? What did that really mean? Um, and he just revealed two things to me that I'm going to share with you. And then I'm going to whiz through my application. Um, so there was just two things that God really spoke to me about in this time. And the first was this, that it really deeply grieves him to see these things happening as well. You know, he's not sitting there deciding, um, I'm going to help you, I'm not going to help you, you know, coldly in that sort of manner. He he grieves when we grieve. He cries when we cry. It says in Psalm 56, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And I, think, I don't think I'd ever read that before, um, before this situation. And although it sounds a bit twee, that you collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. It just really... It really brought home to me how much he actually deeply cares for us and that this, all these things that we see, these things that we go through, that's not what he desires for us. It says this in Psalm 34 as well. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I really took those two verses to my heart and believed them in faith because it was not, I didn't necessarily feel that, but I believe that they are true. And, and as I did, they really became much more... Um, much more real to me. The second thing was this. Sometimes it looks like God isn't intervening. In both those situations, we prayed for God to heal our babies and to intervene, and he didn't. Um, But the truth is that he has already intervened. He loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to come and live a life on earth, which, by the way, included its fair share of suffering and temptation and difficulty. So he also understands what it's like to be human and go through these sorts of things. And, and God gave his son to die and take all the punishment that we deserved for the wrong things that we've done so that we could be rescued from the punishment that we deserved. God loved us so much that he already has sent us the ultimate helper, the deliverer, the rescuer. And in his resurrection, Jesus won the victory over all the problems that we could imagine, including sickness and death. He gave us a hope beyond the grave and he showed his goodness and love and his power once and for all. So when we look 
at those mountains and we look beyond them and we look at the maker of heaven and earth, we also see Jesus' victory over death. We also look at our temporary mountains and we look beyond and see the eternal glory that he's won for us. And when I asked God, how do I know that you love me? Because I, you know, I felt if God loved me, why didn't he answer these prayers? You know, why didn't he um, just make it a little bit easier? <laughs> um, but this is what God showed me. Um, well, I've just shared. And God also gave me a picture this morning that I've, I really hope you will remember, which is to just imagine your life as a newspaper. And all the stories in the newspaper are like the stories of your life. Some of them are um, fun and adventurous. Some of the stories are not so fun. Some of them are tragic and difficult to read. But over on the front page of that newspaper the headline is always the same and the headline just reads victory in big and bold letters and that is the truth whatever those different things that happen to us the headline for us who believe in Jesus and put our trust in him is victory over all those things i'm going to move on to a bit of application now and because not that I've got any sort of monopoly on this, but we've, you know, we've learned some things through this and I just want to share with you um, based on that and the Bible verses that we looked at at the beginning. Like, what do we do then when we come and face these types of situations, which we all will? First of all, don't ignore or shut down your emotions and heartbreak. All of what I've said doesn't mean that we just ignore how we're feeling, that we just put it in a box and look at God instead. That's not what I'm saying. We take it to God. The Bible says like, that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he deeply cares for us and he cries with us. And the psalmist does that all the time. If you read Psalms, he constantly, um, he's very honest with God about how he feels, about how he's struggling. Um, but he doesn't stay in that place. He asks that question, where does my help come from? Um, in this, in a, a study on this psalm, Spurgeon, the preacher, said this, Satan will endeavour to keep our eyes upon our sorrows, that we may be disquieted and discouraged. Be it ours firmly to resolve that we will look up and look out, for there is good cheer for the eyes, and they that lift their eyes to the eternal hills shall soon have their hearts lifted also. So we ask ourselves, where does my help come from? And if I'm looking to other things, then why is that? Is it because I'm not really believing that God's able or that he wants to help me? What is, what's behind that? Um, sometimes we don't necessarily look to God because we think, oh, this isn't a really big thing. I can deal with this myself. And God's got bigger fish to fry um, than my situation. But the good news is that God can fry all of the fish all the time. He's not like got one pan with a big fish in and he hasn't got room for your small fish he can fry all the fish all of the time and he loves frying fish okay I just want you to remember that he wants to fry all your fish um, you then we then just declare what we know about him we look to the hills we look uh, we look beyond the hills to the creator we look look for the scriptures that tell you that he's the maker of heaven and earth that he's good that he loves you look search the scriptures for those things and hold them close to your heart Sing songs in your heart that you know. Sing songs that you know that just bring you truth and that really mean something to you. That's what I do often. Recall testimonies of God's faithfulness and power. Just remind yourself of, of all the things that he's done for us. Look at the cross of Jesus. Remind you what he's done for you. 
and how precious you are to him, remind yourself that he's already intervened to give you the ultimate help, the ultimate victory, the ultimate hope that you could get. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I haven't had time to go into this as much, but the Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as our helper. It's also um, the word that's used for, for this in the Bible also expresses him being our helper, our advocate, our counsellor, our comforter, our encourager, our friend. Um, you know, he's not just with us, he's actually in us. And so when I said we want, we like immediate help, well, actually, we have got immediate help. We just ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he will do that for us immediately. He brings God's wisdom to us, God's peace to us, God's assurance to us. Be amongst God's people. I know that... It is not an easy thing to do to come to church when you're going through something really difficult. It's, it actually sometimes feels like the place you least want to be amongst people who are happy and clappy and rejoicing and enjoying God when you're really not feeling that. Um, but I trust, trust me, it's the best place that you can be amongst God's people who will encourage you. You can just let their own, other people's faith encourage you when you're not full of faith. Let other people speak truth to you. Let them be a channel of God's grace to you and God's comfort to you. Let people pray for you. Don't expect too much. You know, some, some things that people said to us and prayed for us were not always that helpful. But you've just got to see people's heart that they are for you and that they love you and they don't know what, often what to say. <clears throat> you know, we want to be a community where others can come and feel totally wrapped in love and c- encouraged in faith when they're in need of help. And we massively benefited from that. It was also a huge um, testimony and witness to our friends who don't know God and who don't have that sort of a community. You know, that expresses a huge part of God as our helper. And also to all of us to be that channel of help to others, channel of God's help, because very often God uses us as a means of helping other people. If, you know, if God prompts you to pray for someone or call them or take a meal or whatever it is, um, just listen to that. You never know. They might have been deeply praying for God to help them and you could be the answer to that prayer. You might be the means of help to them. And also to point one another to that ultimate helper, to God, the loving, protective Father, Jesus, the rescuer, and the Holy Spirit. Um, So, I've come to the end. I've run over time. God is described as our shield, our strong tower, our shepherd, our deliverer, our keeper, our shelter, our refuge, our rock, our provider, our watchman. God the Father sent Jesus to be our saviour, our deliverer, our rescuer, and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, our counsellor, our advocate, our encourager, and our friend. So you see that this is not just a small part of who God is. This is who God is. This is fundamental to who he is. Um, um, And trusting in him is honestly the best thing that we can do. Um, Please come forward afterwards um, for prayer if you're going through something and you just want to respond to any of this or ask God for help. Um, there'll be a team here. Richard will lead some prayer in just a minute. But um, particularly, I really felt God speaking to me about people going through financial crisis and feeling very trapped in, um, in whether it's debt or some sort of financial situation. And, um, and I, again, just wanted to remind you that that is not a small thing. You know, that doesn't have to be bereavement or all those big things. Um, if you're going through some real financial crisis and feeling very oppressed and trapped, God wants to help you. <laughs> Um, 
And that goes for everything. Just remember, he can fry all the fish, okay? Whatever it is, <laughs> go to him. Um, I'm just going to pray and then pass over to Richard. God, we thank you for who you are. We just thank you that you're our helper. We thank you that all of our hope is in you. God, we thank you that when we look at, our, we look at the mountains in front of us, we can just look beyond them to the one who created them in an instant, to the one who can move them with just a word. To Lord God, we thank you that you... Um, have won an eternal hope for us, an eternal glory. And Father, we look to you. We thank you for that. I just pray for all those just now and, um, and in the future going through some of these big, difficult situations, Lord God. And, and I pray your comfort. I pray your, um, your healing. We pray that you will be um, just that your peace, your supernatural peace and your love will be known so closely to them. Lord God, I just pray that all these things I've spoken about will not just be words, will not just be um, theory, Lord, but will be just held closely in their hearts, Lord God. Come and bring deep comfort where it's needed. Come and bring provision where it's needed, God. We look to you, our helper, and we thank you for who you are. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.